So we are on Ches Amad Aleph, about uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 lines down. Did you say Ches Amad Aleph? Yeah, Amir Rav Chista. Shir should be a Eloi Neshama for Kamiya Shai Ben Reza, Tzibi Yisani Basmi Rav, Shemichai Ben Rit, Benit Rivka, and Rav Fuah Shlem Fachai Esther Tila Basar Tzipora, Chaim Levin Oriyal, Eitan Moshe Ben, Chaim Ben Esther, Avram Zelik Ben Tzipora. Okay, so... <coughs> So, Amar of Chista, Li'olam Yikonis Adam Shnei Psachim Beis HaKnesses. A person, when they're entering the shul, should always come in at least two widths of a door. Now, the question is, we're going to figure, find out in a minute, is this referring to space or time? We'll see what that means in a second. Shnei Psachim Sagadaitach. You really have to enter through two doorways? It says, when you come into a shul, make sure you go at least through two doors. So, Chesam and Aleph. We are on, uh, in the wide lines, two, four, six, eight, ten lines down in the, in the middle wide lines. This is not a person should always enter through two doors. Say that it's referring to the shear, the measurement of two doors. What exactly does the measurement of doors mean? Are we talking about space or time? So here's the machlokas, as we would expect. Rashi seems to say that it's talking about distance. Make sure that when you go in, you enter at least a distance enough so that it does not appear to be a burden. If you look at Rashi, it is two, four, six, eight lines down in the narrow line in Rashi. Shir Rochav Yikonis Lifnim. At least the width of two doors, you should go into the shul. Shlosh Yeshev Samach Pesach. So a person should not sit right next to the door. Because why? What, what impression do you give when you sit right next to the door, says Rashi? Yeah, the Neral of Kamaso. What's, what's the distance? The oh, no. Oh, so, right, so we're talking about the distance. So this machlokas actually does mean the... So think of it like this way. Take this door, for example. Is it the width of this door, or is it the depth of the door? So the depth of the door is eight tfach, and that's one shita. The other opinion is eight amos. It's this, not, we're not talking about the height of the door. So obviously the door is three-dimensional. So you have the width, or is it the thickness? So the machlokas is, but in either event, either case, Rashi's saying it's a distance so that you don't look like you're like running out of shul. Like you don't want to spend time going into shul. It's not worth the extra 30 seconds to sit in front. You want to sit at the end, at the right close to the door. So as soon as shul is over, you can run out. The Marami Rutenberg, who was the Russia's Rebbe, uh, gives a different answer, and he interprets it as the time. Uh, also, sorry, also an amount of space that you should enter, but for a different reason. If you sit right next to the door, it's going to look like that you are, every time the door opens, you're going to be looking outside to see what's going on. You're not going to be able to concentrate. So for him, it was more of a function of kavana rather than looking like a burden. Obviously, the diff- there's some nafkaminous practical differences between these two opinions. One is if the, um, one of them is if there's not, if there's, let's say, there's a second door where you can't see outside. But so, what if you're... Makam kavua. Excellent. So that's the second nafkamina. So if it's not going to look like you're interested in leaving, everyone knows. We all have makam kavua. BRS, especially the past couple of weeks, is always crowded in the winter, especially winter break. So people know that someone has to sit by the door. There's just no room. Someone has to sit by the door. So if that's your normal seat, then it doesn't look like a burden. That's not an issue. That's not a problem. The Talmud and Rabbi Yonah say a different answer, and they say it's talking about a length of time. The time that it would take one to go ahead and walk that amount is the necessary time required to clear your mind, clear your thoughts, daven with kavana. 
So it's a little bit different. It's not so much a measurement of space, how far one has to enter into the shul, but rather it's a time measurement, one that should be able to clear your mind. The Nesiva Shalom says something a little bit, uh, a little much, much deeper, a little bit uh, hard for us to understand, but basically says, walking through two doorways, says the Nesiva Shalom, the first one is you're walking out, crossing the threshold of a door, walking out of the physical world, and then entering the spiritual world, says the Nesiva Shalom. So you're walking two doors, you're leaving the Olam Agashmi behind, Entering, that's one thing, that's leaving the Olam Agashmi, but you have to enter the Olam Aruchni, as says in Sivish Shalom, that's what the, uh, the allegory here is too, when you have to go through Shnip Sochim before one can daven. Okay, Viter. The Gemara says as follows. Okay, so now we're going to talk about, we're going to have five different Pshatim, what it means. What does it mean, this following Pasuk, when. Um, what says regarding this pasuk says regarding this let every righteous man uh, dive into you at at the time a finding it just says ace at a specific time uh, in parentheses meaning in a time of need mitzo he should have this finding so we're going to see five possibilities what is this time of need referring to in this pasuk that a person should should uh, daven and be and find what he's looking for so amr zoisha this is referring to finding a wife shenamar matzisha matzatov when someone goes ahead and he finds a woman he finds happiness <coughs> The Gemara continues. Bima Arava, obviously Ma'arava is always referring to Eretz Yisrael because Bavel was right to the east, so the Ma'arava in the west of it. Eretz Yisrael kinasiv inish So when a person would get married to a woman, they would say the following. They would tell the person as follows. Presumably now we're talking about that after he got married. Matzah o motza. Is this woman a case of matzah or motza? What does this mean? It's not a code word. It's not a. It's not a uh, underground uh, term. What does it mean? If so, if a person goes ahead and finds a woman who finds happiness, he will find favor in Hashem. Meaning, is she good for you? Oh, motza. Or is this woman that you just married not so good? Meaning, or motza ani marmi mavis as isha. I found this um, this woman to be more bitter than death. <coughs> right? Yeah. Very, very nice. Right. So I was waiting for someone to laugh. Okay, at least thanks for breaking the uh, breaking the uh, um, you know discomfort. So basically. It's kind of hard to un- understand that this would be happening after someone got married. He goes, did you get a lemon? I mean, it's already after the fact. So it's hard to... Say again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking precious, key say, say. So, um, so obviously, it's, it's hard to understand that after someone gets married, and say, by the way, Steve, was it good or is it bad? That's not, not what it's referring to. So there's two possibilities. The Nachlis Yaakov says that this is not talking about in Siva Shalom and, and Parshat Bracious by Yaakov. He says it's not talking about when actually someone got married. It just means when someone's in the Parsha of getting married. Kinasif doesn't mean after the fact. You go the next day. It says it's impractical for many reasons. One, it'd be a disgusting thing to ask a person. What's it, your business? Is she good or not good? Number two, it takes time for someone to get to know the person. So right after they get married, you can't be talking about right after they get married when he's in the partial while he's dating, saying, by the way, is she good for you or not good for you? Meaning, I always was, was told, keep two eyes open when you're dating, keep one eye closed when you're married. Meaning, <clears throat> right, when you start, when you're dating someone, make sure to keep, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, is she good for you, basically? The other possibility is that it's, it's, uh, it's musr to the, to the husband. If you go ahead 
and you use the, the, the concept of Kiddushin to build a bias Naman, to go ahead and use it for, for Ruchni's purposes, then you're going to be Zochet to the first Pasuk. Matzah Isha, Matzah Tov, Vayofek, Hashem. If you use the but, however, if the whole concept of marriage to you is just to go ahead and satisfy your, your animal instincts, and once it's just a lustful relationship, then it's going to be, and you're not using it to build, in other words, avoda, uh, and to grow in Avodah Hashem, then it's going to be Mar Mimavis. Okay, so that's the first possibility. Possibility number two, what the word mitzvah, the finding is, and obviously it uses the word matzah and mozah in this first uh, um, example or explanation of what matzah means. The second one is, When it says the time of need, you should find, it's referring to Torah. Those who find me will find life, meaning referring to Torah. So the second possibility is in the time of need, we, we should be able to find Torah. Interesting that there's a explanation by the E.A. Hayam explains, we know the Gemara Nida, Daf Lamed, discusses that when a child is in utero, that the Malach comes and teaches him all of Torah, and then when he's actually about to exit and come into the world, he gets a little uh, nishika on the lip, and he forgets all the Torah. He says this is what it's referring to. When someone is looking for something, presumably you lost it. You only look for something that you lost. So us looking for Torah, searching for Torah, and you find Torah, means to just once upon a time, you had it. When did we all have Torah Kula? Call it Torah Kula? When we were in utero. Nice thought. Okay, number three. Question. Yes. Is he, is he inferring that the good wife causes him to learn more Torah and the bad wife doesn't? If, the, according to one of the examples we said, that if you use the wife to create a, uh, you know, a structure for, to, to grow in, 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 in Torah and mitzvahs, then you will, you'll see the goodness, you'll find favor in the eyes of Hashem. So yes, it's how you utilize the marriage, not, not if she, is she good or bad. Number three, third possibility. Rabbi Nachman bar Yitzchak Omer le'es mitzo zomisa. The, when, at time of need is referring to a person's uh, death when he meets, uh, when he meets Kodesh uh, Baruch after 120 years. Shenemar la'moves totsas. Hashem has many avenues towards death. As a matter of fact, the Gemara continues, has Tani Anahachi, Shamiyos Shloshamine Misa Nivrabaolam. This sounds kind of morbid, but there are 903 different ways that a person can leave this world. Shenem are Lamaves Totsos. Many avenues towards death. And Totsos Bigamatria, Hachiavu is 903. Meaning, we're going to get to in a second. When you die, you want to die a certain way. Meaning, we're going to get to that in a second. Good question. Exactly, exactly. But not that we want to die, but that we want to die in a certain way. The Gemara doesn't say, Akasha Vakulon, the most uh, painful, the most challenging way that a person can leave this world is Askara. It's a certain uh, um, malady, a certain illness that would literally close up your throat and you would suffocate. Nichasha Vakulon, however, the most pleasant way to sleep, to, to, to die, is Nishika. Kashwarcho comes, comes and gives you a kiss. And we say that Avi Mitzchak and Yaakov, Aaron, Moshe, Aaron, Moshe, and Miriam all died through Nishika. The Gemara says, Askara, so what is Askara comparable to? Domya kechizra bigvava de armo de lachari nashra. It's like a thorn caught in a, in a ball of, of wool shearings that when you pull it back, you're going to be scraping off a lot of the wool. It's very painful. Some say that's actually um, putting a thick rope through a narrow hole. And if you ever do that, you see that some of the threads get, don't fit through the hole, get pulled back. So it's, it's when, if someone was to die through Askara, you'd feel it's very painful. Those are analogies. 
Okay, Domi Kimishka, and what exactly is Nishika, which is obviously the, the, the best and the most painless? Domia Kimishchal Benisa Michalava. If someone finds a milk in their, a hair in their milk, it's as easy as taking out. It's painless. You know, obviously it's a very easy process. It's painless. So that is how the Gemara describes Nishika, which is the optimal way to leave this world. The fourth possibility, what Mitzo means, at a time of need, we should have our, we should be answered. Rabbi Yochanan Omar Leis Mitzo Zokfura. At a time of need is referring to Kavura. We should be buried. Amar What does the Pasuk say? Those who rejoice out of good fortune. They'll delight when they find the grave. Meaning not everyone is, uh, is Zochet to, uh, we know what happened in Beitar, right? A half a million people, they say, were just killed in Beitar. It was so Beitar that there was so much blood running through the streets. And then Akash Baruch made a nace that they were buried a year later. And that's why we have the last bracha, Tova Meitiv. Tova Meitiv, invention, we discussed, if you remember, Rav Tzadik HaKohen, the first bracha written by Moshe in third person because he wasn't in Eretz Yisrael. Then we have the second bracha by Yeshua, was Eretz Yisrael. Second person, then we go to skip to the last, last bracha. Hatova Meitiv was made actually for the Harugei Beitar that they were eventually buried. Akash Baruch made a nace that a year later their bodies did not decay. 500,000 according to the historians. 500,000 Yidin were slaughtered in Nebuch, and their blood was running through the street. It was, but Akash Baruch made it that they did not decay and a year later they were buried. So we see that not everyone is Zoha to have a Kvur. The Gemara continues. I'm a Rabbi Barshila. This is what people say. Libi Inchi Rachmei. People should ask Rachamim from Kaddish Baruch that should continue to daven afilu ad zibula basraisa shlom until the last dirt or shovel amount of dirt is put onto your grave. Meaning until you're actually in the ground, you should ask the Kaddish Baruch you should have a mind to daven for him that you should be zochet to a regular kavura. And the last one, Marzutra Amar Le'es Mitzo Zebes Akisei. And when it says a time of need, this is when we have to relieve ourselves. They say in Eretz this last statement of Marzutra is probably the, the most critical of the five interpretations. We saw that either it's referring to marriage, referring to learning, referring to death in, a certain, uh, in, in an easy way, or a burial. Or the last one is when we find a need to go ahead and relieve ourselves, we should have the opportunity. In, in Bovel, don't forget, now we have modern-day plumbing, but in times of Bovel, they used to have to go ahead and, and the whole times, they'd dig, dig. Bovel was so full of water that a person would have to run out of town deep into the fields because it was so full of water, they weren't able to find a, a place to, to dig themselves, to relieve themselves. I'm going to take this opportunity to discuss my favorite bracha, Asher Yatzer, not because I'm a, my past life. Uh, as a GI, but uh, it's, it's an amazing bracha that often gets overlooked. So we'll just take a little bit of a, of a detour right now and discuss the bracha vashiyatsa, given the fact that we discussed about uh, Beis Akise going to the bathroom. So the bracha vashiyatsa, we know, is right next to Elokai Nishama. The, the bracha vashiyatsa obviously deals with our physical needs. Elokai Nishama deals with our spirit, deals with our, with our neshama. The bracha, if you actually look at the words, it's so overlooked. People either say quickly or forget to say it. Uh, there's actually, Rav, Sh- Rav Schwab brings in his... Uh, in a Sefer on Tefillah, that Alex von Humboldt, who was a very well-known, uh, lived in the 1800s, German naturalist, said he went through many, many, many different prayer books and never found the Tefillah as beautiful as Asher Yatzer. Before we get into the bracha itself, there's a halacha. What happens if one forgets to make an Asher Yatzer and he goes to the bathroom two, three hours later? Does he repeat Asher Yatzer twice? So the Mechaber is of the opinion that you should say the bracha twice. We don't pass it like this. We just say, if you forget it once... Don't forget it the next time, but you do not have to repeat it. There's also a, a question of whether we should say the words afilu shah achas that one if one of our uh, bowels 
or, or orifices were being blocked, we wouldn't be able even to survive an hour. So we paskin, most, most acronyms say not to add those words, I feel because it's not true, you can, you can survive for, for an hour. But, but uh, the, the thought is there that really it's an unbelievable bracha that's often overlooked. We don't understand, take it from me, just from seeing people with, with obstructions and ostomy bags, how we, you know, people who are with urinary blockages from stones, I need foley's. It is such a thing we take for granted to be able to relieve ourselves when we need to. It's the most unbelievable bracha, and it actually ends umafli asos. What's umafli asos? Kosh Baruch does wondrous things. It's amazing. The Shulchan Aruch and Simon Vav, we know the Shulchan Aruch is, is a posek. He comes to bring halacha. Yet, if you, if you have a chance, it's kedai to look in the, in, in the Shulchan Aruch Simon Vav. The Mechaber goes into such detail, flowery, elaborate detail about the bracha umafli lasos, and, what, and he gives examples. What's umafli lasos? That's wondrous. He says, if you have a balloon and you were to puncture a, a balloon with a needle, all the air would deflate. And yet, we here we are. We have orifices, many orifices in our body, and yet the neshama is kept inside. He also says that. When a baby's in utero, he gives so many different examples how mafilas that we that we see as everyday common occurrence is such a nace amongst nace and a nace wrapped in another nace wrapped in another nace. When a baby's in utero, they keep their mouth closed. The second he has to he leaves he has to breathe through his mouth. The the way Kodesh Baruch Hu made it so complicated and yet it works nearly to perfection is something that really really behooves all of us to go ahead and give shalach to Kodesh Baruch Hu. There is a thought even that we should go ahead and make a, even if you don't use the bathroom in the morning maybe make an ashiyatzer because it's a berch shavach and oda. We don't. We say if you use the bathroom use it, but we don't make it generally. But the thought was it's such a beautiful bracha and it's such a, a shavach v'adot to give Kodesh Baruch Hu. We take for granted that we can go to the bathroom really even if you don't you, even if you don't um, need to go you should make it. We 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 don't hold like that. Time time? Great question, great question. There is, I, I'm not sure what it is, but there clearly is. You can't make it today if you went yesterday, but there is. Usually, I, I, it, I don't know what the exact time frame is, but it, it has to be somewhat related. But great question. I was looking into that. I remember when I was, this is just as an aside, but I found a beautiful album to, album to explain this. When I was in medical school, uh, back in 1997, I'm dating myself, my, one of the f- first courses we took was immunology. It is the most unbelievable course how Kodesh Baruch Hu makes our body work that everyone's much more up to date now with antibodies and, uh, and antigens due to COVID, but how really in general we never affected with the same machala twice infection because our body makes these, these antibodies. It's the most unbelievable course. I went over to my professor and I said, you know, I'm not going to say his name, not that anyone knows him, but I said, it's, after hearing this course, it's impossible not to believe in God. And he looked at me straight, not Joe, I'm wearing my yarmulke, I was the only one in the medical school in my year wearing a yarmulke, and he looked at me straight face, he goes, why? I'm an atheist. And this was the guy that taught the course. So I wondered to myself, I said, how do Kofrim, is it that they basically say, I'm going to decide to be a Kofrim and categorically deny any proof that you can give them, obviously ignoring the glaring evidence that there's a Boreolum, or is it that they actually go in through the process and weigh everything and then come to the conclusion? Either way, it's ridiculous. But it's even more ridiculous if they just come and say, I don't believe in God because I don't want to believe in God. And then every raya you can bring, they just categorically deny, even though they close their ears, even though, because they want to be an auction. So there's a malbum, it's in Yon it's fascinating. Let's just go back for a second about the Makos. This, is, this proves the point that I happen to think that really people just, be, they want shtach. They want to be, I don't believe in Hashem, and no matter what proof you're going to bring me. The Malbim, Malbim bears that out. We just read in the Makos by Dever, listen to this. It says, 
All of the cattle, all of the livestock, says the Pasuk, in Shmos and Parak Tess, <coughs> all of the livestock died. When it came to the mikne, to the cattle, to the livestock of Bnei Israel, not one animal died. Listen to the next Pasuk. So Parak goes ahead, and like a good general, wants to make sure that his, uh, his reports that came in from his uh, generals are actually accurate. So he went out and he said, look what he says, Lo meis mimikli Yisrael ad echad. It does, it changes the word from lo meis echad, the Pasuk before, lo meis echad, not one died, to now the Pasuk says, lo meis mimikli Yisrael ad echad, until one. Says the Malbum, there are two other examples where we have this, that, it, that we have this, that it says, <coughs> that it says, sorry, that it says, there we go, Ad Echad. Two other examples. What are the other two examples? By Paro, when he went ahead and all the Mitzrim left, uh, chased after B'nai Israel through the Yamsuf, the Pasuk there reads as follows. It says, The waters came back, they closed in, they covered all the Rechev, all the chariots of Parashim, Lecholchil Paro, all of the army of Paro, Habam, Achrein, Bayam, who chased after, Lonisha Bahem, Ad Echad. Says the Malbim, also use the same Lashem, Ad Echad. And one other place, by, by Sisro, Barak in Shoftim, who Barak Rodov Achari Rechev, and Barak was chasing Sisro of Achari Machane, at Harosh Sagoim, Vayipol Komachane Sisro, all of Sisro, all of the Plishtim fell, Lefichorev, Lonishar, Ad Echad. The other time it says Ad Echad is by Sisro. Says the Malbum, we know that Paro lived. We know that Sisra lived. That's how we have the shofar, right? We know when Sisra came home. When he sorry, we didn't come home, but originally he he, he escaped. And when Yael put the through the peg through his head, but he originally came back. He survived until she killed him afterwards. So we know that Paro Adechad means by by Kriyas Yamsuf that one person survived. We know that by Sisra one person survived. So it says the Malbim when it says Adechad here, it means that one animal of Bnei Israel's died, and the Malbim brings. Brings proof that it was from the Makala. Later on, by Yikra, we be case there was a, a a man born to a Jewish man and to a, a Mitzri woman, and they went ahead and, and they had a child, and this was the cursor. And he cursed Hashem, and that's the animal that died. But says the Malbum, this is the point. Paro was going to believe in Hashem if not all the animals died, if if not one animal died from Bnei Israel. but because one animal, all of the livestock was wiped out from from the Mitzrim. But one lousy animal from Bnei Israel died because he was a Mekalel. One animal died. And that was enough for Pyro to say it's not the Yad of Hashem. How ridiculous is that, right? We gave the example we saw in Baruch Gimel. We saw that, why does, Pyro, why does Moshe say Kachatzos? At around midnight, tomorrow, at around midnight, the, the Makos Bechorus is going to happen. So we said, what, if you predict that aliens are going to come on to, and descend on BRS and replace Rabbi Goldberg at the, at the, during the sermon, it, no, no, I'm just, what? No, 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 give the sermon, I'm not going to replace him. Just give the sermon instead of him, and they're going to land at 11 o'clock, and they come at 11.07, the aliens come and they give the sermon. Oh, no, you're totally wrong, you're crazy. You predict something so outlandish, but it comes off a minute later, you're not, Moshe had to say, Kachatzos, because the Tzadkin and the astrologers and the, and the timekeepers of Mitzrim would say that, no, you said it's going to happen at 12 o'clock, it happened at 12.01, you're wrong. When you, wanna, when you don't want to believe something, when you're a kofar, even the smallest shred of evidence you'll hang yourself on, you'll, you'll hang your hat on. Says the Ramban, 
That's why it says that Akash Baruch brought an eastern wind when he came to Kriyas Yamsov. Akash Baruch gave them an out. The Ramban says, he says, why would you mention that there's an eastern wind coming when it comes to Kriyas Yamsov? Because you need for these people who don't believe to hang their hat on the smallest thing. Really, it just happened that an eastern wind came when B'nai Yisrael was crossing, and the second they touched ground on the other side and the Mitzrim came in, the, the eastern wind stopped. Says the Ramban, he was giving them an out. It's so ridiculous to believe, but that's why. So we see that, uh, Mustama, that people who don't want to believe won't believe no matter how much the evidence is, is weighted against them. Okay. That's my thing on Ashiyotzer. Obviously, everyone should keep in mind to make that bracha. It's an amazing bracha, and we should never take it for granted. Okay, weiter. The Gemara continues. from Papa. Says Tell me something great that he says about uh, shuls in general. Give me some good, juicy piece of Torah. loves the gatherings of Tzion, more than the sanctuaries of Yaakov. What does this mean? Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem She'arim HaMetsuyim Bahalacha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the gathering places that are distinguished by resolving Halacha, where people are sitting and they're mefalfel and they're omek and, and, and they go to the depths, Onke Torah, to come to the resolution of Halacha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves that more, more, even more than places of learning and places of davening, meaning, Meaning, just to clarify, if you have a place that people are learning Bikviyas, the base Medrash, every day regularly, Kaddish Baruch, that's much more uh, precious to a Kaddish Baruch Hu than if someone, than a shul that's used intermittently or a base Medrash that's used every alternate Tuesday, we have a, we have a pick, you have a share for a half hour. Where people are learning every day, we have a base Medrash, we have a Kol Torah, that's much more precious to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, especially if they're learning Halacha. So Gemara says, um, a very, very famous line. Since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, does not rest here. What an amazing statement. During the time of the Beis HaMikdash, when the Yidin would go ahead and sit in Lishka Sagazis, and they would go ahead and make all these halachas, was there. Now, that we don't have the Beis HaMikdash, and we go ahead and we uh, learn in, individually. Dalar Amos, some people say it's referring to the person. Dalar Amos belongs to each, it's our own, it's our own rishus. When a person is omek and, and delves in, does a deep dive into halacha, that's where the hashra shechina is. Rav Shechter has an unbelievable piece in his, in his uh, Sefer and Tefillah. I'm going to go into this a second because this, this statement is a very powerful statement and it's going to shed light amazingly on, our, on the first half back into Brachos. It's going to come full circle. The Pasuk says in Bereshus, Vayetze Kain milifnei Hashem. Kain leaves Hashem. Vayetze, Vayeshe Beretz node Kidmas Eden. Then two Sukkim later, it says, he complains Kain after he kills Hevel and he's, and he's uh, held accountable by Kodesh Baruch. He says, hey, garash, yom, You're going to chase me from away, from Me'alpanei Adama. And I will force to be behind from you, uh, from your face. He predicted his own punishment two psukim early when it says, Hashem. How could someone leave from Hashem's presence? Hashem's presence, Uncle Moishi, right? Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. What does it mean to leave? What does it mean to leave? So the Ramban says there in Bereshis, he says, From your face I will hide. He says, I won't be able to daven or bring a carbon anymore. If you remember, we spoke a few weeks ago about what was the punishment of the snake, the nachash. The Gemara Sanhedrin says, wherever the nachash went, he found food. If he was on, this, on a roof, there was dirt. If it was on the ground. So 
the son of the uh, Sachet Shafer says, what does he say? The, um, so he says, Shem Shmuel says that the punishment is that the Nachash didn't have to have a relationship anymore, no Kesher. So same thing, he, right? The fact that he didn't, wasn't reliant on the Kodesh Baruch Hu for food, he didn't need to daven, and that means he had no Kesher. That was the punishment. Says the Ramban here that he, the fact that he was no longer able to bring a carbon and daven to Hashem, that was the punishment. So let's, let's go back a, a second. The concept of Lifnei Hashem, being in front of Hashem, this Gemara says, Dalan Amos Bavad, now that there's no base of Mikdash, we have the only where people are learning to have Hashrash Hashchina. Rav Shechter brings in, there's a very, very well known steer on the Rambam. The Rambam says in two different places, I'll just tell you outside, the Rambam says in one place that I'll just read the Lashon, because the Lashon says as follows He says, Mishespal, I'm talking about by, by Shimon Esrei. Mishespal, Kavana Salev Ketzad, how do you one go ahead of the proper Kavana regarding Shimon Esrei? Any time that you daven without kavana, it's not called a tefillah. It's not called a shmon esrei. If you daven shmon esrei without kavana, you have to be choser. It's not like a tefillah. You have to be choser. So he says, if no kavana, you have to repeat shmon esrei. Then, in 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 halacha uh, in parak ayud, uh, he says as follows: says mishespalav lo kibain. Someone who's still in Hochos Tefillah, talking about Shemona Esrei, someone who davened the Lokivin at Libo, did not have the proper Kavana, Yachsor Vispala B'Kavana, he has to go ahead and repeat Shemona Esrei. Vim Kivin es Libo, Bevrocha Vishona, Shuvein Otsarach. But, as law, that's only referring to if you didn't have Kavana during the first Bracha. Which is it? In one place he says, if you don't have Kavana, you have, and doesn't stipulate just the first Bracha. It says, if you don't have Kavana, says the Rambam. Oh, did he? Oh, he wasn't there. Okay. He discussed this beautiful. Okay. Rav Chaim, exactly what we're going to do right now. So we're explain the two different uh, kav- types of kavana. So if you don't have kavana at all, you have to go ahead and be choser. Then he says, no, no, you have to be choser as long, but if you had a kavana during the first brach, you don't. So what's going on here? The first brach, Oshman Esrei. Says Rav Chaim, there's two type, types of kavana. There's the kavana of being, that, recognizing that you're omed lifnei Hashem, that you're davening in the presence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and there's the kavana of perish understanding the words. By the first bracha, you must understand the words. The, the words. You don't have to, the chatrila, of course, you should know the whole Shemun Esrei. And I'll make a pitch now for the art school sitter, because people can read the English while they're saying it. You should understand what you're saying. The interlinear or the side by side. But the kavana that you own made with Fnei Baruch the recognition that you're standing in the Shechina, you're diving to Hashem, has to be there for the whole Shemon Esrei. Even if you don't understand the Perish Ramilim, the Taich of the words, for the rest of the Shemon Esrei, you still have to recognize that otherwise you're a Misasek. You're like reading a newspaper in Chinese. It, it has no meaning if you are standing, you don't have to recognize that you're davening to Hashem. Says Rav Chaim, that's how we understand. You have to understand this concept of Lifnei Hashem. And Rav Shachta goes on to say there are certain halachos based on this concept that what does Lifnei Hashem mean? For example, the Gemara in Yuma says we take three steps back. We take three steps back. And why? Why do we take three steps back? <clears throat> oh, that's the beginning. So, but basically the same concept that we basically are going, we're moving into the Shechina and when we, when we finish Monasrei, we withdraw, we go back into our own world. Why we take three steps is a, a, a multiple uh, shitas. The Beis Yosef brings Rav Haigon. Rav Haigon says that when the, the, the tefillah, we're going to get to brachas dav chavav, machlokas, whether tefillahs were connected to Karbanos, instituted, or the avos, but when they brought the Talmud Shal Bein and the Talmud Shal Shachar, and he went ahead and he put the emurim, the limbs, the kohen that we're talking about, on the Mizbeach, after he put the limbs, he would walk back from the Mizbeach down to the altar, to the ramp. 
Oh, sorry, from the from Mizbech to the ramp. And there were three steps. He would walk down three steps. So since when he was on Mizbech, and we go ahead and dive into Nishbarcho, we're, we're taking the place of Karbanos. By davening, Tefillah takes the place. We take the three, the same Did three steps back. Backwards? Did he walk backwards? Yes, it seems to me that he walked backwards. I don't know. If, I think I think Rifai says he. I think he walked backwards. We also know that when Moshe went up to Harsina, he walked through three partitions to speak to Hakadosh Baruch So maybe it's connected those three partitions. There's also a. Um, there's also Bnei Saw, The Gemara tells us that they when they when they saw Hakadosh Baruch on Harsina, when they saw the, the kolos, when they saw the voices, they walked back three mil. They distanced themselves. They were f- so afraid of, of being too close to the shkin they would get burned. They walked back three mil, and we walked back one step, connecting one mil, each mil. I heard an amazing thing once. I think Rabbi Goldberg mentioned this years ago. Years ago. Which I'm sure will be proud that I was listening during the during the drasha. I think it was the Rokeach who says this. I believe so. That there are three types of hagasha. It says Vayigash Yehuda, Vayigash love Yehuda. Yehuda approached Yosef. It also says the same Vayigash that Avram approached Hakadosh Baruch Hu by Sodom, and it also says that that Elio and Har Carmel we discussed when he was fighting with the 400 Jews who were Ovdei Baal. They were worshiping Baal, and he had the showdown with them. All three times he uses the word Vayigash, that he approached Takadosh Baruch to Davin. Avram was davening for Umos Olam, for the nations of the world. Yehuda was davening for his family. Vayigash Olav Yudah, to save his brother. Eliyahu was, was fighting, davening on behalf of the Yidin, his nation. When we approach Akadosh Baruch Hu, we three steps, we're coming with all these three types of responsibilities. A communal responsibility for Am Yisrael, a familial responsibility, and a, and a worldwide responsibility. We learned from these three different um, um, tzaddikim, who are mispala, on behalf of others, Vayigash, and Vayigash means to approach. So we are approaching Hashem with these three different perspectives. Beautiful thought. Okay. Have your askama? Good. It's a lot of kavanah to keep. No question. No question. It's not the only time you use the word vayigash in, in the Torah, but in general, those those three. So just to wrap this up. So now, Rashi and Brachos, if you, if we remember, Rashi and Brachos, when we came back to this in the beginning, we, we discussed in the very first half the mitzvah of, of Kriya Shema at night. And Rashi was of the opinion, if people, if, if we daven Kriya Shema at night to fulfill the mitzvah, b'shach b'cha uvikumecha, b'shach b'cha, when you go to sleep, Rashi said that, you know, there's some people who go ahead and daven Marif before Shkia. Like we do in the summer months, for example. Shabbos starts 8.30, we daven 7 o'clock. So what's the purpose of davening Marif, Kriyashma and Marif, if one cannot go ahead and fulfill the mitzvah? Because Rashi says you have to go back and repeat it later, uh, Alamita, Alamita. And Rashi says your Yodse with the Chiv of Kriyashma, B'Shach B'cha, when you go to sleep with Kriya Shema Lamita, and Tosfos goes, gets upset. What do you mean? It's only one parsha. There's no brachos with it. There's no brachos Kriya Shema. It's only one parsha. We said there's a four-way machlokas, what the chiv of Kriya Shema is. Ramban says the chiv in the Torah is the first pasuk. Rashi says the first parsha from here we see here. Tosfos says the first two parshios, and then Rambam says all three parshios, even the mitzvah of Zechir HaSitzis Mitzrayim, which is mentioned in the third parsha of Tzitzis, is part of the uh, Torah obligation. But Rashi said that you can fulfill the mitzvah of Kriya Shema with Kriya Shema Lamita, even with the first parsha. So then why are you davening? Why are you davening the Kriya Shema during Marev? Now we'll understand. We just said that we only really have, we only have the Shekhinah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Ashra Shekhinah, when we're learning. 
So we're going to see now, we'll continue either today or tomorrow, we'll see now that the next sugya discusses that there are so many Rabbanim who left the davening from Shul to go to the base Medrash. After this statement, where we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shechina is much more in a base Medrash, where people are learning Halacha than a Shul, people stopped davening in a Shul, and they went to learn in a base Medrash. If you look at Rashi now, Rashi says, well, the reason, Kedei Lamod Tefillah B'toch Torah. Right? Rashi said, that what's the benefit of davening Mariv to establish tefillah next to learning? Kriyashma is psukim, it's Torah. It's lima Torah. Now you understand, says Rashi, what Rashi was referring to. In order to go ahead and establish the, the Shema as a Shema, uh, as Torah, so that the, the Shema Nesra comes on the heels of the Shema, now it makes sense. Now we understand, based on this, why learning Torah is so critical to making the tefillah more, more elevated. Because when you learn Torah, that's where Hashra Shechina is. Now that there's no Beis HaMikdash, we have to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kiviyachol into us. The Rav always said that the Beis HaMikdash was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's home. The Shul is our home. We have to invite HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak. We saw that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and is waiting for the 10th person. He's coming to our home. He never says he's waiting for us in the Beis HaMikdash. So this, we understand now why, um, why... Uh, the the say, learning the Torah is so critical before we say Shema. So it comes full circle, and we understand now what Lifnei Hashem means. That it really means the Shechina, um, means the Shechina uh, that should be present.